Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this next edition of Coffee Talk. Today's guest, I am super excited for you, uh, everyone, to hear from. Paul Jenkins is our guest today. He's an amazing director, accomplished comic book writer. And just to let you guys know, we have done uh, an interview with him on the Craft Show channel. So there's going to be certain things that we breeze over, like we're probably not going to touch on his comic book history too much, but I really want you guys to hear about it. So in the description below, you can see the interview we did with Paul on Craft Show, and you can also see Paul's channel, Meta Studios, which we'll be talking a lot about in this interview. But without further ado, let's bring on our guest, Paul. Here we go. Paul, welcome to the channel. Thanks for joining us this morning with the two Jewish old ladies here over here. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, Diego, how you guys doing? I got my Jewish uh, little old lady cup of coffee, so we're good. Oh, uh, good, good, good. Yeah, I've got my little old lady cup right here. Uh, it's a big cup. It's my little lady cup. Morning, guys. How's everyone? Yeah, good. It's so, so Paul, you and I met briefly originally on the Axonar set when I was doing the first AC. Uh, and then, you know, I obviously be, was doing the second unit DP for Axonar. Then I was doing the DP on your film Warped. And let's talk a little bit about Warped before we go into anything else. So <laughs> I was so excited when you told me uh, about Warped and, and what the project was going to be. And can you tell everybody a little bit about Warped and, and what kind of the backstory of it is? Yeah, so the backstory is that when we were filming Axanar, which is a Star Trek project, you know, we got a chance to play around on a, on a bridge. And this bridge is pretty tremendous. Uh, it's an incredible set. Um, so you can pretty much go 360 on the set and you can shoot some really cool stuff in camera. And we realized that that set sat idle uh, while it wasn't being used for Star Trek. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, shooting Axanar, we had been working for five straight days. I'd got no sleep. And I had my producer, Scott Connolly, throw me a shirt. And I did a fake interview with the worst uh, captain of the floor, a really bad Star Trek employee, you know, like someone on the ship that's just terrible. And it was mm -hmm. very funny. And we realized we had something. So the premise of Warped is that it's the worst ship in the fleet uh, run by a guy from South London. Uh, and it's wow. in the future. And it's a guy on the, they're all on the edge of the universe. They got a terrible crew and they've been given the mandate, go out there for five years and they're just really bored. Uh, everyone's had sex with everybody else. You know, they're just like really tired of it. And um, it, it's just a series of vignettes, but it was a cool project because we got a chance to play. And in fact, we got a chance to kind of mess around on that bridge and, and do some cool stuff and really bust through a bunch of work. If you recall, Jeff, we got a lot done. Yeah. Yeah. We did like 19 pages in one day. Yes, we uh, did. It was a lot. It was a lot. And I, and I can't wait to see it. We were talking a little bit about, um, you know, work before we got on. But let's let's jump into um, we'll touch more about Warped in a bit. But uh, so what was the life of Paul Jenkins like before this whole COVID-19 thing happened? Yeah, with the with the exception of um, my kids being home now, you know, um, one person's quarantine is another person's average Wednesday. You know, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a writer. Uh, I work a lot, you know, Um mm -hmm. I I feel like this hasn't been as difficult for me personally as it might have been for other people in the sense that, you know, I live in this environment a lot. Um, you know, I, I write a lot. Um, mm. So it wasn't as difficult for me to transition. Um, and, you know, life is pretty busy, right? And it's actually, mm. I kid you not, for a couple of us, it's busier now than it was before COVID. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what I, I wrote, I directed, um, I'm a game designer. I do a lot of cross media work. I have my own company. And since the COVID, um, you know, everybody wants to be in development right now. So they all need content. No? Yeah, absolutely. Doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so even, even now, pretty much you're doing a lot of the same work, even in the, you know, during this pandemic, you're, you're working from home, but I mean, you were working from home. It seems like a lot of the time anyway. So it seems like it hasn't affected you as much as, as others. No, it hasn't affected me as much as it has others. I think the issue for everybody is like the proximity and being indoors, which is really hard. Right. Um, right. I, uh, have terrible allergies. I really do have terrible allergies. And so um, going outside at this time of year would be something I would minimize a little bit. Um, but like, you know, what I do is I walk the golf course, I get about 15,000 steps in a day, which is about seven plus miles. Um, mm-hmm. I lift indoors, I sort of do push ups and pull ups and try to do that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I feel mentally fine with all of this. I'm just very sad for the situation that seems to be unfolding, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's unfortunate, you know, we're, we're very fortunate in in what we do that we can work from home, but that's not obviously the case for everybody. Like even uh, Diego, I know you're doing a lot less Diego's. You can tell us a little bit about what's going on with you, Diego, but he's basically uh, living in Colombia right now and he's stuck in Miami with uh, everything going on. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's affected us. We have a we have a company in Colombia, and right now everything's kind of in the air. Everything's just paused. I obviously I can't get back home right now until all this kind of blows over. But it's been interesting to see and meet individuals like you, Paul. Who, you know, this is just another another Tuesday, another Wednesday for you. You know, you're, you're working from or home. Thursday, you're, <laughs> Thursday, you're editing. You know, so it, it's cool. It's but the kids now the kids are home all the time. How has that affected you? You know. There's other members to the family who play a key role in this now. And everyone's kind of. Yeah, my wife is a teacher. And so she has to teach from home and work out her curriculum, uh, be directly connected to, um, you know, other people, uh, lots of the kids to do one on one reading sessions with them. And we both have children. Uh, You know, we we have children and uh, we both have to deal with the kids. And one of them is eight years old and he is doing fine with all of this. We're very lucky in one respect. Uh, we were ju- we just before COVID, we were thinking about moving because our, we think our house is a bit too big. And right now we are so grateful that our house is big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a, um, a guest last night, Alex McCoy, who's a realtor, and we were kind of talking about a mm-hmm. similar situation as far as um, I think a lot of people are, are reevaluating where they're living right now for for better or worse, you know, like in your situation, you, you, you wanted a smaller place and now you're realizing it's probably the right size. Uh, and other people are kind of sitting in their house and they're probably not enjoying isolation kind of questioning, you know, maybe, maybe I want to live somewhere else. Maybe this wasn't the right place for me. Uh, yeah, and yeah. a lot of that comes out of this, doesn't it? Right. Um, it's probably, the right, it's the right size for COVID-19. It's probably- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's a good answer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so let's, let's go back to the positivity. Let's talk about warped. Um, so, you know, what, what was interesting is I feel like as a director or let me say as an actor, you were acting when we were doing warped in addition to directing. So in your opinion, is that harder, uh, to direct and act it? Cause I, I imagine it would be. Yeah, that can be a challenge, you know? Um, but I will say that not as much of a challenge, um, 
as it was on Warped. And the reason I say that is, had we, we, we wanted to do a proof of concept, right? And so the right. two minute vignettes, and we're catching a lot of stuff. We're pulling it together. We're putting it down. As you know, Jeff, you know, there are lots mm. of shots that we set up and went, let's go. And we, yeah. we you know, we pre-lit everything. And then we mm. said, we're going to do it this way. Here we go. So my job was to be prepared and it was to put my shot list together and to board it out a little bit um, so that we knew what we were going to catch. At the mm. same time, anytime you do dynamic comedy with improvisation, you're going to catch a few things that you see at that moment. So my job was to see those things and to be ready to communicate them to you and to communicate them to Scott Conley, our producer, who was sitting at the back um, acting as an Earthworld director, which is awesome. And so the only difference between this and something else that was you know, more structured in its scripting was that had we done something more structured, the prep would have been this series of shots this way. We would have stopped, we would have reset, and then we would have done it again and again. And we would have, you know, I could have seen it through what we were doing. Um, there would be times when I wouldn't be on camera, I'd be over at Video Village. But this was a different shot. We put, this was a different shoot. We put a lot of material. So even though I normally would have had more time, I did not this time. So I would act, I would be in front of camera, I'd run and confer, run and confer with you, with mm -hmm. Scott, run off and be in front of camera again. That's a bit more of a challenge. It wasn't that absolutely. it can't be done. It was just that we did so much work. Yeah, there was absolutely a lot of uh, running around. And, you know, as I mentioned on the craft show stream, um, you know, having Scott there was was a blessing. And I know Victoria was helping as well. Um, I think she was uh, yeah. script supervising. Uh, on that shoot. Yeah. And, and so, you know, <laughs> Scott had a, had the video feed from the camera and he knew what, what, you know, you were going after as well. So there were a lot of times where, you know, he would come in and, and he would give his notes on performances or even camera moves. And he'd be like, you know, I, I wanted it to be a little bit more like focus on this guy or like, you know, make sure the timing is more there. And it was great because obviously you're acting at that point and directing. So you're not going to catch everything. So having those eyes was just such an immense help. It, it was great to have them on set. And it's, and it's all about communication, right? Like we live mm -hmm. for good communication. Mm -hmm. And so there's no problem if you're able to move quickly and communicate properly. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you can do what you need to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you can't communicate, as is typical on any set, as is typical in any job, you're going to run into problems. And then when you finish, you'll find things that you didn't intend. You know? Mm-hmm. So mm. I felt, as usual, we were prepped enough. Um, we were trusting enough of each other. And I do mm. think that the director-producer relationship in anything is so, so important. Um, I had recently been helping uh, a couple of directors working with a producer where they had never defined their relationship before they got working. Right. And so you're talking about such difficult things as final cut. <clears throat> you know, who gets to decide what happens in the end? Right. Um, you're talking about difficult things like what does the producer and or executive producer get to tell them that that he or she wants mm -hmm. and how much are they obliged to do it? And so, you know, when you have those difficult interactions between a director and a producer, that's hard enough. But if you haven't defined what the outcomes are supposed to be, it's really hard. And so Scott and I work very seamlessly together. We know, we kind of know what each other needs and wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, you guys make a great team. And and Sarah was on set as well. And, and Sarah was our, our little our little BTS angel. Uh, she got she got so much 
uh, content where I, you know, I was looking at some of the shots the other day and just, she captured so many things that I, I didn't even realize that we did, like, especially all the running around we did. Uh, it was great to have her there. Um, so, so what's Sarah's function at Meta Studios? I know she's, she's the CEO, correct? Uh, yes, yeah, Sarah is the CEO. So that, you know, we're a small company where we're beginning, you know, when you talk about, um, the difficulties of, of COVID, you know, one thing I should mention mm -hmm. is that as a company, you know, we're a, a smaller company and we were going through a funding event. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that changes our life and it changes our trajectory and that's completely stopped now. So there we were after all this time having built and being ready to go through funding. Um, mm -hmm. Not right now. So yes, yeah, Sarah's yeah. in charge of, of all of these things. You know, she's in charge of the funding events and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, she and I work hand in hand on everything that is meta. So it can be from funding to uh, decisions that we make about how to pro uh, project ourselves. Uh, you know, we just started doing YouTube. Mm, uh, yeah, Ooh. I've noticed. Yeah, <laughs> and we started doing it um, largely because Sarah felt it was a great initiative for us uh, as a company. Huh. So I ended up getting into streaming and content in that direction because we have mm. some content that we can even do right now during COVID. We can build stuff. A lot of people are stuck. We're not. You know, we can make content. Yeah. Well, and I was even thinking it was it was the best time almost to to film Warped when we did. Yeah. Because you know, other than you know CGI uh, of you know the spaceships editing can be done at home uh I, there's a lot of memes going around in a lot of the filmmaking groups where it's basically these this was the life of editors before covid and this is the life of editors after covid and it's the same picture yeah it's um, reality done same yeah thing. yeah so uh, so in, in a way the you know certain things um it's a great time to work on them because at least someone like me i have more time to do uh editing although i know you're you're busy with the writing and the video games and and all that. Um, one thing that a friend of mine was telling me last night, which it kind of put things in a perspective for me was, even though a lot of people are out of work and, and a lot of, you know, funding situations, like in your case, um, fell through, at least for now, one thing that kind of gives us all um, peace of mind is, you know, everyone's kind of going through this. It's not just one person. It's not just, you know, a small group of people. It's literally like the whole world is kind of going through this and we're all going through this journey together. Um, <clears throat> So it's interesting to see how, how, you know, humanity has some great virtues and everyone's kind of, I've seen a lot of the greatness of humanity through this whole thing and, and people coming together and we can do chats like this where, um, you know, like, I don't think even a month ago, a lot of people would be doing streams like this. I don't think it was really going to happen. Yeah. I think there's these outcomes guys, you know, that we never intended and, mm -hmm. I part of the reason why I do the regular streaming um, mm -hmm. is that I just want to connect people. So I get uh, well-known like creative people, actors and mm -hmm. comic book people and all of that. And I put them on screen with fans. So fans get some screen time uh, with creators that they idolize. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. And, and I want that. I want that connection because I think that's tremendously important for us all right now. We need to connect and feel as though we're worth something, that we mean something. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just like, throwing stuff out into the ether. So mm -hmm. while we're busy doing all of that, you know, I, I see all these positive things. Don't you guys see things like, I, I think it might be a bit overblown to say, you know, maybe we're repairing the environment. That's a little simplistic. Yeah, yeah. Especially it's in the short period of time. So yeah, it's not going to repair itself that quickly. We did way too much damage. Mm -hmm. But what I do think might happen here 
mm-hmm. is that we're beginning to see things in a very different way. So there's going to be before COVID and after COVID, right? Oh, yeah. And that's the way the world is going to be. Yeah, there's a sense of shift in consciousness on what are our ideals and how we see the world outside of ourselves. Now it's time for like reflection and like you guys said, looking how we connect. Because maybe in this fast-paced world, chaotic, we, we don't connect as much as we do now. And right now we're more isolated than ever. So it, it's interesting how that's playing out. Yeah, it's very interesting. Really amazing. And um, <clears throat> I'm very... I'm very saddened by all of this, but I also have a lot of hope because of the way that people are connecting now. And I'm watching how there is one thing that is environmentally understandable, which is the ozone layer is repairing, you know, so it's not that we're not healing all of our global warming, but we are watching the repair of the ozone layer. We are watching people connect in a way that they hadn't connected before. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I will rail against politics, not politicians. I don't want to talk about politics. I don't talk mm-hmm. about, but you know, I'm a, I'm a kid of the punk era. And, <laughs> you know, punk rock in Britain was a bit like, shut up and stop talking to me because I know that you're a self-enrichment scam and you always have been and you always will be. So we don't, you know, I know people of my sort of environment didn't particularly care for politics and and you watch this sort of cognitive dissonance that is being preyed upon by politicians of all kinds um and i feel that what we can now look at is that people might just might go back to like looking at each other and realizing hang on a minute we're divided by our commonality um people might be very right or very left or or, or you're left or right or, or moderate even but we're in this together. And now people Absolutely. that know they're in this together are starting to communicate again. And that's what we should in order to combat this attack on our senses that we've been undergoing in the last few years. Well, I completely agree. I well completely said. agree. And I, mm-hmm. and I love it. I love it. And I've, I've started to notice that too, the the barriers between the left and the right, especially down here in Florida, where it's it's very, it's it's very all over the place. It's, it's not really left or right here. It's, it's mm-hmm. everywhere is... Um, it was it was very divided down here and and you know the camaraderie of everybody kind of getting together during this is uh is special it's it's special and i'm happy to see it um, you know one thing one thing i would hope it doesn't end right because people are still messed up by their cognitive dissonance you know they don't realize how attacked they were and how their rebound effect and their cognitive biases were already just attacking them so i have plenty of friends who either, you know, in the entertainment industry, a lot of them are heading sort of left. Um, Mm -hmm. I live in the second most conservative county in America. So a lot of my friends locally, people I know are very much on the right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would say to people for for a long time, for the last few years, I would always say to people, I want to go back to 9-12. I want to go back to the day after 9-11. When we Mm -hmm. looked at each other and we said, man, this is awful. We can't allow this to happen. And you may have been on the left, you may have been on the right, but the day that the president of the United States, George Bush, tossed out the first pitch at the World Series, we all went, go get a man, like go, go for a strike, you know, Um, because we wanted to be connected again a little bit and we got behind each other. So I feel like that is very likely to to ha- to happen a little bit. Um, it's not as likely as we want it to be because people mm. cognitive dissonance works a certain way. If you challenge someone's long held belief and you prove that it's incorrect, it actually reinforces their incorrect belief. 
and that's frustrating. But hopefully that won't happen this time. Wow, Absolutely. you're very right, man. Very yeah. interesting the way you, you touched on that because that's mm -hmm. exactly what it is. And, and even now you turn on the news and now there's more time to, to give your viewer time to the news stations and to the different aspects of it. Yeah. And they're all just arguing. You know, they're, they're trying to justify ways to look at it, what they did wrong, what we would have done right. And you're sitting at home and you're just like, I still feel awful about this. So that's where that collective emotion globally is connecting us where they're still there talking and divided on issues and stuff but this is affecting everyone you know yeah, in a way because it, it sells right it sells and yeah fear sells <laughs> there was fear does sell there was a moment i think that we could all look at the news and begin to realize and it's not the news it's not the news it's a series of opinion pieces done by people that are not telling us you know anything and um I tell you the moment that it really, it really crystallized for me was during the Boston bombings. Um, mm. When that happened, you had CNN trying to sensationalize something that could not be more sensational if you tried. Um, I'm not just picking on CNN. This happens across the board. But mm. I remember very clearly watching Wolf Blitzer uh, standing on a corner and breathlessly screaming, there's a car coming. I think there's a car. Yes, it's definitely a car. And a car goes by. And he goes, that was a car. wonder where it's going. Because they're just trying to report on something because they've got nothing to report because the two guys they were chasing were hiding out. Mm -hmm. So here comes this report. And if you look at it actually in context, for two hours, all they did was say things like, I can hear a dog barking. Yes, it's definitely a dog. It may be indication that the two bombers are in. They're trying to sensationalize something that needed no sensationalism. Mm -hmm. And... I, and it sells, right? And so I, I remember watching that and just laughing. I breathlessly reported this crap. And I thought, okay, you know, this is what we've become. So, okay, I think it's time for it to end. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. No, you know what's funny? It, it kind of goes along with the director-producer. If you take a step back from the, from the big picture and from the narrative they, they create, there, there is a producer and a director going, this is the narrative. This yeah. is what we're pushing out. Oh, there's no more of this. It doesn't matter. Make something up or, or report on whatever you can, just like you said. So, and there's what maybe a few corporations that own every single network. Definitely. So the narrative goes here, and then the producer and director of this grand scheme of things is pushing these things towards us. Doesn't so care if we don't agree. Doesn't care if we're sick. Doesn't care if didn't really happen. Yeah. There's an agenda, and there's always an interest-based mentality in this. And this is what divides people. So yeah. yeah. It does divide people. And so I think, you know, if you can imagine that scenario, Diego, I would imagine that at some point right in the back, there's a producer who's calling through to the reporters and the director who's working on it that says, hey, keep the tension up. Keep it going. Keep the tension up. It's like, that's a, that's a, that's a, a performance piece, but it's certainly not news. And so as a human being, I actually get my news from Reuters and NPR. Mm -hmm. um, but a place that I would definitely sure. point people to is allsides.com. Um, because what happens at all sides is that they get to aggregate from various people. Anyone that is reading all sides can vote on where these places shade. You know, do they go left? Do they go right? Are they central? Mm -hmm. And because wow. you've got an aggregation, you can't even sabotage it. There's enough information and data to be able to place these these things. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're looking at Reuters, when you're looking at uh, then, 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 well, as I can see, Drew is saying it's all opinion. We have no news. All sides begins to maybe take care of that a little bit, which is wow. yeah. you have to try to work out. I mean, I guess the question would be, 
are you going to go to the center to look at news? Because that would really be the only place you could be. You know, I, I would submit perhaps that outside where I'm at is probably uh, a place that you can get some information. But at the very least, the center, because some of them still uh, uphold journalistic tenets. Um, so a few of the places that are listed that do because of the aggregation are Reuters, Associated Press, National Public Radio. They, they mm. don't have a bias. They are accused of having bias by anyone that does have a bias. But that's not the point, is it? That, you know, we have to look at truth and we have to look at inte integrity in journalism. Um, so I tend to kind of go to all sides, find the places that live in the center and then um, then go from there. Nice. Absolutely. So, so Paul, um, kind of to bring this to a close, what's on the docket as far as uh, Meta Studios and Paul Jenkins for the rest of the year? I know, you know, we don't exactly know when when this is going to end, but we have to be hopeful that, you know, we have a month or maybe two months and, you know, kind of plan from there. Why don't we do this? I do think it's fair for everybody to consider mm -hmm. that it's a month. No. I just don't, I think we have to be ready to understand that if we do the curve the way that they project mm -hmm. in the manner that they are saying with the, and hope, hope that the heat will change the way that's transmitted, mm -hmm. that April and May and possibly June are, are out, you know? Okay. Mm -hmm. So we look mm -hmm. at that. Um, I look at it in two ways, obviously, we have to keep the lights on. So we have some jobs that, you know, I'm writing right now. I'm writing two novels. Mm -hmm. I'm working on two screenplays. I have a big uh, video game coming around the corner. We have all the other stuff that we're streaming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a typical thing for me, I mean, I went to bed at 4.30 this morning and woke up at 8.30 as usual. Um, wow. And I, I've never needed a lot of sleep. But it's wearing me out. Right now. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm incredibly scruffy, which I love. You know, I'm just, <laughs> every yeah. day is drama Thursday. You know, I'm so pretty busy. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and so, um, where can everybody find you? Obviously, we have the the Meta Studios link in the description below. But um, yeah. where can everybody find you on Instagram? Do you have a Do you have a Twitter? Yeah. Um, so I'm my Paul Jenkins on on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um i am paul J i mean i guess you'd have to find me uh via meta studios i think um mm -hmm. on, on facebook i have like three pages which is crazy <laughs> <laughs> i did notice that i remember i remember when i first went to write to you about some axonar stuff i like mm -hmm. went to one page and i'm like and then you wrote back to me from another page and i'm like <laughs> Wait, what, what, what's going on over here <laughs> no, the problem is, okay, so comic fans really love the stuff so there's one page that's a personal page that people can connect mm -hmm. to me there's one that's a fan page they can connect to me and there's one of my pages that's literally my personal page so i can actually talk to people i know personally as opposed gotcha. to just smart yeah mm -hmm. so i've got that um and then on instagram um it is the paul jenkins i believe um but it might be my paul jenkins i do apologize which I'll one's the paul jenkins, jenkins writer yeah paul jenkins writer um that's that's instagram so and we have meta studios okay. on instagram as well Great. So, what I'll do is after after we get off of here, I will go and I'll add all of uh, Paul's social media links in the description on both YouTube and on Facebook just to make it easy on everybody. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but awesome. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was a, a very enlightening conversation. And, and I got, I'm glad that I got to introduce uh, you to Diego because Diego's been one of my friends since, since we were little kids. So it was great yeah, to kind of have him on and join the conversation. 
That's really good. And I also realized something just before we, mm. we sign off. I realized there's a secret superhero hidden in my picture. Do you want to see where it is? Show it to, show it to us. Okay, watch the cup. There he is, over there. Oh, no oh, way. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. It's like I, I play Where's Waldo every day. It's brilliant. I didn't know that. So, <laughs> so hey, it, it's, good, it's good to know that the green screen uh, stuff works on, uh, on your end, too. And I remember we were uh, – we were, ch we were chatting about that. I didn't even know that was possible. That's awesome, though. That's well, Paul, great. thank you again for joining us. It was it was a pl absolute pleasure to have you on, and you know we hope to have this chat again soon. Yeah, Thanks. Paul, thank you so much, man. It was great to listen to you and and very insightful. Anytime, guys. It was great to chat with you this morning. Take care. Right. Have a good one, everybody.